0: to highlight and support independent bookstores. They discuss the books they've written, the books they're reading now, and the art of storytelling. If you love books and you're curious about the writing world, you're in the right place. Hi, everybody. It's
1: Wednesday night, and that means it's time for Friends in Fiction. It's the happiest night of the week as far as we're concerned. <laughs> for I'm us. Mary Kay- yeah. I'm Mary Kay Andrews, and tonight we are excited to introduce you to Maria Amparo Escondon.
0: I'm Kristen Harmel.
1: I'm Christy woodson Harvey.
2: I'm Patty Callahan Henry.
1: And this is Friends in Fiction for New York Times bestselling authors, endless stories to support indie bookstores. Tonight, our guest is Maria, as I said, Maria Amparo Escondon, the author of L.A. Weather. I can't wait for you to meet the creator of one of the most memorable families and set of sisters in recent history, the Alvarados.
0: As you know, we continue to encourage you to support independent booksellers when and where you can. And one way to do that is to visit our own Bookshop.org page, where you can find Maria's books and books by the four of us and our past guests at a discount. Of course, at bookshop.org, a portion of each sale through the Friends and Fiction shop goes to support independent bookstores, and it also helps to support this show. So, if you enjoy watching, this is a great way to support our guests, independent bookstores, and the Friends and Fiction group itself, all at the same time.
2: And if you've been watching, you've heard us talk about Butterball, our exciting partner this month. Butterball Turkey—we're especially <laughs> excited about this because I mean, it right? means we get to <laughs> celebrate. Oh, Christy's <laughs> under the Butterball. Under the room. Butterball. I mean, now. Yes. <laughs> We're especially excited about this because we <laughs> need to celebrate the 40th anniversary of the famed <laughs> Turkey Talk Line all month long. So make sure you join us on our Talking Turkey with Butterball After Show tonight. We have loads of surprises for you tonight, and a couple games on the Talking Turkey After Show. So do not miss it.
3: I also wanted to remind everybody that we have a fabulous spring box coming your way. If you've loved our subscription boxes in the past, you're going to love this one. And if you haven't joined us yet with our subscription boxes, it's a really good time to start. So, My The Wedding Veil releases on March 29th. You will get that in your first box. And um, Mary Kay's The Home Records releases in May, which is so exciting. And um, it's going to come with a snazzy Friends in Fiction notebook that has um, it's really cool little uh, sticky flags inside, so you can mark all your favorite passages. Of I want one. I'm sure there will be many.
2: Patty, <laughs> I can
3: work that out for you.
2: Can, um, you, make that, can you make that we happen? Can make that happen.
3: <laughs> we can make that magic happen for you. Um, and <laughs> if you order before uh, tomorrow, December 24th, you will also get a really fun um, Seasons Readings ornament in your very first box. So um, that's available from our partner, Oxford Exchange, and uh, we can't wait to share it with you.
0: You know, what better gift for yourself before the holidays, right? To yeah. give yourself the yeah. gift of two great books coming yeah. in the new year. That's, that's right. right. Yeah, And yeah. you know oh, you're going to get I all sh- those,
3: like, random, like, Visa gift cards. They were like, what am I going to buy with this?
1: This
2: is what to buy. buys.
1: <laughs> It's way better than the jelly of the month club. Can I just say that?
2: <laughs> I mean, every year when Pat asks Russ, what do you want for Christmas? And he says, I don't know. Pat says. I'm going to get you the jelly of the month club. And it's just a joke that never, ever gets old, (laughs) ever gets old. Oh,
1: okay. Enough, enough jollity. (laughs) I like the word jollity. There's
2: never, Um, come on, there's never.
1: (laughs) All right. Enough jollity because I want to introduce our guests. New York Times bestselling author Maria Amparo-Escondan. Her most recent novel, L.A. Weather, was a Reese's Book Club pick and was featured on Oprah Quarterly, as well as Best Book of the Month in Barnes & Noble, Alta, People, Pop Sugar, Bustle, CNN News, Ms. Magazine, Nylon, GMA, and more.
2: None other than Reese Witherspoon, said L.A. Weather, there is a hundred percent chance. Mm -hmm. You'll be paging through this book to uncover the secrets and deception that could potentially burn everything down.
3: What a quote! Mm. What a quote! I love that. She um, she should, I hope she had that tattooed somewhere. I would. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Publishers Weekly and a starred review said this is by far one of the most endearing LA novels in recent memory.
0: The New York Times book review called LA Weather a capacious book chock full of human drama. Escandón's narrative voice is often witty and warm and her meditations on Los Angeles are lush and lyrical,
4: a mm-hmm. lively
0: and ambitious family novel. That's another great quote. She should have tattoos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> wow. Nice.
1: Okay, Sean, please bring Maria on so everybody else can have the pleasure of meeting her. <laughs>
4: Hi, Hi, Maria! Maria welcome. <laughs> Hello. Thank you. I feel so honored to be among such amazing writers and support not only other writers but independent bookstores. Your work is so valuable, and, and it's just so great that I'm here, part of part of this. Oh, that's well. so nice. Yeah. Thank you for sharing your night with
3: us. Yeah. So nice,
1: Maria. Welcome to Friends and Fiction. Where the four of us are sort of sisters from different <laughs> misters.
0: It's true. true.
1: But without the hair pulling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> the time. I mean, we the, the shoplifting <laughs> as far as I know.
4: <laughs> well, you definitely have a wonderful dynamic going there. So wow, thank you. <laughs> okay, go for it. Keep at it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank
2: you. Um,
1: yeah, you know, the great thing is, you don't, you don't get to pick your family, but you do get to pick your friends. And so that's kind of what Friends in Fiction is about. But we are so thrilled to have you with us. Would you tell our viewers all about LA weather?
2: All about it? No, <laughs> not <Nobody> at all. How <laughs> you know, much time do we have?
4: Well, uh, it, it, this is this is my third novel. Uh, my first novel, Esperanza's Box of Saints, uh, was a mother-daughter story. Mm-hmm. My second novel, Gonzalez and Daughter Trucking Company, was a father-daughter story. So, for LA Weather, I wanted to sort of, you know, double the challenge and and make it an ensemble. Make it a Family story, and so I came up with uh, the Alvarados, not very different from my own family. I have to say, it wasn't much of a stretch. Um, a lot of, you know, if if you if you read the novel, you will notice that it is a disastrous year for this family, and uh, everything happens within a year. It's 2016, January to December, and all of a sudden all hell breaks loose issues with health with um, family issues with relationship issues you know so it's that kind of year that you know at the end of the year you're wishing the year away and you're saying good riddance and so years. Mm -hmm. (laughs) years like that so so that's that's sort of, in a nutshell, the story. It's it's a family dealing with everybody, their own issues, and everybody else is in their family. And they have to come together to help one another.
2: So but, these are three incredibly fascinating sisters. So I am the oldest of three sisters. I've written about three sisters, and, um, I have a book called The Favorite Daughter and also Driftwood Summer that's about sisters. We've talked to Leanne Dolan, who wrote The Sweeney Sisters. And I know Mary Kay loves The Weird Sisters book. So Eleanor Brown. So we love talking about family dynamics and sisters here. And like I said, before we came on air, my sister is actually in the other room. (laughs) And I'm not going to let her come and tell stories about me. But these are three really fascinating sisters. Claudia, Olivia, and Patricia are, respectively, a professional chef, an architect, and a social media guru. And I know you said you're one of three sisters, but where do you fall in the sister line? And are there parts of you in each of these women? And how much of your
4: real life did you kind of
2: draw on to write these sisters?
4: Okay, so I, personally in my life, I am the firstborn. And oh, then I have two brothers, and then eleven years later came my sister Ale, who I adore. Oh, and yeah. she, was, she was my 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 doll. She was yeah. my love. She was, you know, she, and and we wow. still are so so close together that I really wanted to pay tribute to our relationship and we've been through everything. And so I really want to um, uh, point that out. Uh, Now, as far as who do I identify with in the novel, with which character, uh, uh, Claudia is the oldest. So the natural thing would be that I identify with her, but that is not the truth. Uh, I think I identify more with Olivia, the middle sister because she's more artistic and you know she's an architect i love architecture all the topics that they are you know like uh, food architecture uh, social uh, media all of that I'm a, I'm a fan and so i really i really tapped into things that i know not just because i didn't want to do much research <laughs> we- it's part of it, but <laughs> but I did <laughs> do research in other things, you know. But sort of, I wanted to sort of see myself in in this family because I read a lot of a lot of Latino themed books, and I watch TV series with Latinos and and movies, and um, uh, there is some sort of constant in the way they're portrayed. Uh, which doesn't really represent who I am and who my family is. Yeah. Um, you know, we we're, you know, we're not in the cartels. We're not, you know. <laughs> so, I hope not. I, I hope that's true. <laughs> so I wanted to, I wanted to reflect uh, a little bit of, of see a little bit of my own family there and sort of complicate the general views of what a Latino family is. I love that. Mm, that's that's really great.
3: Um, I like that you're not into cartels. That's that would have been a really interesting episode, though, Maria. I mean, you know, you got to could, could make there. some things up. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so this is obviously a fascinating book for so, so many reasons. You have just so many incredible things at play in this story. But I was really fascinated by the life and death of the marriages in this book. So no spoilers, but um, a marriage that I was pretty sure was doomed survives really well. So was that planned? And how did you um, did you did you set out to sort of tackle this idea of you know what makes a marriage work and what doesn't, or was it something that just kind of came to you as you were writing the story?
4: Okay, so personally, um, I. Uh, I was divorced. Um, I think it was 17 years ago, and it took me all these years to finally dare to to to, to approach this topic. You know, it was very hard uh, for me, and and I and I knew I needed to learn a lot from the experience and it got to a point where i said okay i think i have learned enough i think i have a few lessons to share as far as you know what uh, what the lessons are and you know for instance you know you you, you hear all the time that uh, you know marriage is until death uh, do you part and, but that's far from the truth because We've seen many people split up. And so it's not that marriage is, is forever until you die. What's really until you die is divorce. So <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a new relationship with no exit clause. And wow. it's a new relationship that you can't get out of unless you wow. die. you never can- thought of that. I never thought and so you enter when you divorce you enter a new relationship where you know it's it's forever and so you you better have a good divorce <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you have a good marriage at least have a good divorce <laughs> you know so wow. i i am very well divorced uh it took me a while but um i learned that i will always be divorced from my kid's dad, and so I I learned that in 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 time, and I was able to uh, to share it in LA weather, you know. And and the truth is, and I and I put an epigraph uh, in the novel, uh, you know. There's this epigraph that I want to to read to you because um, it's it's by it's by Jack Gilbert, and it says, "I believe." Icarus was not failing as he fell, but just coming to the end of his triumph. Wow. And I think that when you've had a family, you've raised a family, you've had a business, your kids have grown, and then you divorce, it's not like you failed. You yeah. just came to the end of your triumph. And that's how I want to see it, you know? I love that.
3: Oh, I love that. I bet you just touched so many people's lives out there right now. Wow, I've too. Yeah.
2: Yeah. What an incredible,
3: incredible piece of insight. Um, that's really beautiful and really well said. And now I feel like I have a completely deeper understanding of the book too. <laughs> that's yeah, awesome. that's neat. It's
0: amazing when we get the chance to explore these things that we've worked through in our own lives and put them in our fiction, isn't it? I mean, I think it it deepens our understanding and deepens our ability to be able to share it, like you just did. That's, that's really cool, um, Maria. I'm I'm interested, and we're always interested on this show in talking about. Um, writing process, you know, whether you outline or whether you just sit down and write kind of all the things that go into it. But I'm particularly interested to ask you that question, because I've also read that you write in both English and Spanish. Can you talk a little bit about how you develop a novel from start to finish, what your process is?
4: Um, Yes, yes. Well, you're right. Uh, English is my second language. And uh, I learned when I came to the US after college. And uh, I've been, I believe I'm a, you know, perennial student of the English language. I still have so much to learn, but uh, writing the books in English have really, have really helped me learn the language. It's, it's kind of like a, you know, like an intensive crash course of English every time I, every time I write and, uh, it, And I chose to write in English for that reason, because I do want to learn the language. And then I do my own translation into Spanish. And that's the fun part because everything has been resolved. And, you know, I know the story. And so it makes it a lot easier. Uh, As far as the writing process, um, I usually start out with a fear. Uh, For instance, it's like a seed and I'm gonna plant the seed. And it's usually a fear. Uh, my, my first novel, Esperanza's Box of Saints, uh, I asked myself, what was I most afraid of? And it was immediately, it came clear that it was losing my daughter. Mm. And, uh, and I said, well, I'm gonna write about that. And uh, what would I do if I lost my daughter? And And so that's gonna be the journey of this character. And um, to double the challenge, uh, I'm gonna write it in English. And to triple the challenge, I'm gonna make it a comedy. And so that's what it was. (laughs) Second novel, it was the fear of killing somebody by accident. Uh, Being the reason why somebody loses their life. Um, And I don't think I could live with myself, uh, you know, after uh, something like that. And so I explore that in my second novel. And uh, in L.A. weather, it was the fear of uh, just losing your people, losing your family, you know, uh, being disconnected. Um, And so this is where the story begins. It begins with a family that... Even though they meet for, for dinner every Sunday, they're disconnected emotionally. Nobody is anymore interested in what the other one is doing. And along the year and crisis after crisis, they will have to learn. Um, of course, they go to the extreme and, you know, <laughs> you got to have a little bit of extreme things happening. Yes. Yeah. I love
2: starting with a yeah, fear. Yeah, I love That's that. I'm like, rattling through my brain, like for each
4: book, what is the fear? I
2: know. <laughs>
3: That's What an interesting way to think of it. Do you think when you write about them, it helps you work through them? Good question.
4: It does actually. Not that not that I'm not afraid anymore of losing right. my daughter, or you know, but I but I know now that I can put it in perspective, and it's very therapeutic for me. Actually, I, okay. I really. Yeah. And another thing that I that I would like to um you know discuss about the writing process is uh, that I I very much uh embrace uh writer's block. I Ooh. think that writer's block is your head's way of telling you, you're not ready. <laughs> you're not oh, ready. It's right. You know, so go off, go off. You know, run your errands, go to the supermarket, take a do shower,
2: your
4: do your thing, live your life. And as you uh, as you work through your day, doing, you know, what you do, cook, you know, go to the doctor, whatever, <laughs> drive, you know, think about your characters, think about your plot, uh, think mm-hmm. about possible ways where it could go. That's why I I tell my students at UCLA, you know, writing is a 24-7 job because yeah, if you're, you know, funny. even if you're asleep, you're probably dreaming about your characters. True. Yeah. True. So writing is not typing. Mm-hmm. That's so, not, right. Writing is not typing. So um, when I hear people say, oh, no, I write, uh, you know, five hours a day. I sit in front of the computer and crank out 10 pages. That's typing, you know, it, it, <laughs> but the writing, the, write, the actual writing happens when you're alone with your head and you're thinking about your characters. And then you come and you download it all on the computer, you know, and, and, and that, that's when uh, a more practical function in your brain comes to be, because you're putting everything into words, but, but you already did a little bit of thinking beforehand. Uh, That's, that's my process.
2: (laughs) I love that. I love it. it. We We were all talking recently and Christy said, I wonder what people who aren't writers think about all this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because it's all, it's all we're thinking about, right? Like, what's next? <laughs> 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 I do what my
3: protagonist is up to. Right? I know, right?
2: <laughs> yes. Just download. Yeah.
3: I feel like I'm learning so much tonight. Oh, my goodness. Like, this is definitely a show I'm going to watch back after. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is really amazing. Um, mm-hmm. Speaking of amazing, and this is something that you mentioned that you do uh, when you have writer's block, but the food in L.A. weather. um this is our warning. If you are hungry, you should not tackle this book because (laughs) Um, of course we have Claudia, who's a professional chef, but her mother is also a fabulous home cook. And so, you know, we know food is such an essential part of our lives. And especially right now as you know, we're in the midst of this holiday season where, you know, food binds us in so many ways. So what are, um, were there any food influences or traditions from your own life that entered into the writing of this story?
4: Yes, of course. I think that um, Kayla, the mother, who is a fabulous home cook, mm-hmm. uh, is uh, some sort of the mother I wish I'd had mm-hmm. uh, in terms of cooking because my mom was a terrible cook. <laughs> I never realized that I was a foodie until I went on my own and discovered good food. Uh, <laughs> I was at home with my mom. Uh, it was. It was painful, and (laughs) (laughs) she's probably going to watch this show, and she knows what I mean. (laughs) She won't be offended. (laughs) No, I don't think she'll be offended. She's very aware and has accepted. uh, You know, (laughs) fabulous in many other ways. She's an amazing woman, but she can't cook, and so. (laughs) I, I gave that to Kayla because I just wanted that. You know, I really love food. I'm a super foodie. I explore every possible restaurant I can afford. I go. Um, my husband, Pedro, he's an amazing cook. I'm not a good cook. I'm really bad. But Pedro is amazing. And so he's my next husband. <laughs> and he, he's just fantastic. So I just, uh, you know, I'm a lazy foodie. I enjoy uh, other people's cooking. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> oh, wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. I love that.
1: I love that you combine Kayla's um, Jewish ancestry. Mm-hmm. And so um, they're, they're having um, incredible Mexican dishes, but they're also having traditional Jewish dishes. Talk about that if you would.
4: Sure. Um, I am in a mixed religion family. Uh, Pedro, my my husband, is uh, of of a Jewish family. So right now we have, uh, you know, we just went through the menorah and now we have a Christmas tree. You know, why not? (laughs) And so... Uh, I, I wanted also to talk about the uh, this small community of um, Mexican Jews, uh, which there, you know, there are quite a few, actually. A lot of them live in, have moved to San Diego. But there is a, a, a community in Mexico that is never in, you know, in any books, you know, a lot of people ask, so is there a Jew, Mexican Jews, what? And yes, there are quite a few.
0: Wow, that's
1: awesome. I thought that was fascinating. Yeah, mm-hmm.
4: yeah.
1: Um, okay, so Maria, I read that you grew up with telenovelas, and reading LA weather, it struck me that this is a very literary telenovela. That's
2: awesome.
1: I mean, mm-hmm. one Goodreads reviewer noted that in LA weather, the Alvarado family endures a brain tumor, infidelity. A gender fluid teen, kleptomania, artificial insemination, divorce, sub, subterfuge, hidden businesses, raw sex, near drowning, rape, climate change, and gender politics. <laughs> oh, and fire. A, and fire. fire. <laughs>
4: Evacuations, <laughs> coma. Was,
1: was the um, structure intentional? Or is that just a natural extension? Did you say to yourself, I am going to do all this? Or is it just the Alvarados
4: just had a really shitty year? That's, <laughs> what, that's what I wanted. I, I wanted. Well, here's the thing, you know. Um, uh, there's people out there who think that people in L.A. live like celebrities, mm-hmm. that everything is wonderful and rosy. and uh, And that's. Not really the case. Uh, Here in LA, there's a lot of heartbreak and sadness and just bad things happening to people, just like anywhere else. And um, I wanted to be, I wanted to make a metaphor of the weather in LA and life in LA for people. So it's not always 72 and sunny in LA. And it's not always 72 and sunny in these people's lives. There's all kinds of issues going on. Now, I, I confess, I, I did pile it on this poor family. I really did. And I, because I've had years like that where, you know, divorce, disease, all these things happen. And, um, and I thought, well, if it's happened to me, it can happen to my characters. Uh, but, uh, It it was one way of illustrating how, you know, it's not always nice and rosy for people out there. Plus, you know, you want a little bit of conflict. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) You piled piled it on this family. (laughs) Yeah, I piled Uh, it on. But it does have that telenovela feel, you know, where there's always somebody in the hospital. Uh, there's, uh, you know, all this ho- hospital drama and there's uh, relationship drama. Uh, but there, I, I want to say a little bit about the tone. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, there's a lot of drama, but it's a kind of drama that has a little bit of humor. You know, it's oh, like, yeah. you know, you're announcing at the dinner table, I'm getting divorced, All hell breaks loose. Everybody starts yelling, screaming, doing. And then at the end, it's pass the chicken. You know. (laughs)
3: Because
4: that's life,
3: right? I mean, everything becomes a little bit funny at some point. Yes. For the most part. (laughs) These scenes are also ones that you can see. They just would
0: translate so well to screen. I would think. You know what I mean? Like just even, even hearing you talk about them now, I can see them playing through my head. And I know you've done some film writing in the past. Are there plans to bring LA Weather t- to the big screen?
4: Yes, I'm working on it. Oh, ah, tell us, tell us. Well, not much I can say right now, but uh, but it's definitely um, it's definitely in the plans. And uh, hopefully, I can write uh, myself because I have written uh, screenplays, and uh, I, in fact, I've been uh, Sundance um, Screenwriting Lab advisor, and uh, I had my first book, Esperanza's Box of Saints, was made into a movie that I wrote the script, and so I, I, it does have my writing does have a sort of. Very cinematic feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because I'm very sensorial, I use all my senses, and the visual part is very strong. That's awesome.
2: That's yeah, fun. I could
1: see that swimming yeah. pool yes. in the opening of the book.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. I mean, thinking about it now, um, that swimming pool kind of gives me the heebie jeebies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: And then thinking
1: about Oscar sitting up in his chair, <laughs> tracking the weather, uh, he was he was a great foil for the rest of the family. I thought.
4: Yep, yep. <laughs> He's a little bit based on my dad. My dad had a, uh, had a terrible year as well. Uh, his business went under. My mom got cancer you know, right after oh. his father died. And then what he did is he just sat on his couch and uh, watched the weather channel all day. He got really depressed. Oh. Um, uh, I wanted to write about that. Uh, yeah. I just wanted to get that out. Uh, yeah. you know, mm. that time. And I remember I was living already in Los Angeles and he would call me up long distance when it was really expensive. And he would call me up and say, take your umbrella, it's going to rain. Um, oh, wow. And he was in Mexico City. So it was it was really cute. He uh, oh. was definitely my weatherman for a long time. I love so that. Sweet. You know,
1: my father went through that after my mom died. He um, he was so depressed. And um, he would sit and uh, watch the Weather Channel. What is it with the Weather Channel? Wow. Ceaselessly. And um, then... I'll never forget, um, after a while, I would say, I would come in, and uh, the television wouldn't be on. And I'd say, Dad, what are you doing? You don't want to watch the Weather Channel? And he'd say, no, I- I'm thinking about it.
4: <laughs> oh, oh. That's, it. that's exactly how my dad right. would do it. He would re- literally watch at the TV turned off, and then right. eventually turn it on into the Weather Channel, and then just sort of drift, you know. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah,
2: I wonder what it is. Is it the constant monotony, like moving around the country, or I don't know? Maybe, maybe it's that sense that you
0: have some control because you know what's coming. Yeah, you you can warn your kid. I I like that.
4: You know, Christine, I think you're right. I think you nailed it. (laughs) Yeah, you can tell your
2: kid to take an umbrella and at least Mm -hmm. be doing something, and and you have some control over that at Mm -hmm.
0: least. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow, what a thought.
2: Yeah, I can remember being with my dad
1: watching when uh, Hurricane um, Katrina hit New Orleans, mm. and he was frantic. He kept saying, why don't these people get out? Because, of course, the news was showing people that no. were stuck in LA, in uh, New Orleans. And I finally had to say, Dad, you don't have any, any comprehension about how many people don't have a car. Anywhere to go. Yeah. Don't have any place to go. Yeah. Don't um, when there's no electricity. You can't get money out of an ATM machine. Yeah,
4: yeah.
1: and um, all he could think about was there was something wrong with them because they weren't fleeing this storm of the century, and he had no comprehension that were people that did not have the wherewithal to flee. Yeah.
4: Yep. Wow. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that knowing- went a little deeper. That I meant to. <laughs> no, it's interesting, no, it's interesting. interesting conversation. I
3: was a little bit deep for our pre-Christmas show. I mean, I'm just saying.
2: I'm just no, it's <laughs> awesome. Well, we, you know, as writers, we're all pretend psychoanalysts, so we like. I to know. I know. like I love it. For yeah. Sure. And knowing how much of your family, uh, I won't say you put in there, but inspired pieces of this novel, I would love to know how different was your first draft from your last draft. How much did it change from the first inception to the end?
4: Um, it didn't change much because I used—I actually used a cal- color-coded calendar, like in the book. I had this big wall with the big calendar month by month. And I, every character had a different Sharpie, different color. And I literally uh, drafted out their entire arc, their entire story on the calendar. And then I character by character, like in a loom, you know, like I was weaving and uh, interconnected everybody. And so it was easy to, you know, I never do outlines, um, but this was kind of an outline because... You know, it was some weird outline, I'd say. Um, Did each so, character have a
2: calendar or were all three characters, all the characters on the calendar? On, well, they on the were all together,
4: code. all together, and all they, they were color-coded. So I could see at a glance, very visually, uh, oh, you know, I haven't talked about Oscar in half the month. Uh, you know, he needs to come back. Uh, something needs wow. to move forward you know the story and so that's how I um how I was so I really liked the calendar so I inserted it into the story (laughs) (laughs) I I love love that
0: I I liked
1: I liked how when it looked like the family was maybe finally getting back on track they find the calendar again and they and they start posting and uh, I don't want to give too much away but um there's a post about a doctor's appointment that kind of makes your heart seize up. <laughs>
4: yes, yes it, it it is. Well that's that's that kind of happened to me. So <laughs> and it oh was actually it was exactly on the same day that I put it in the novel. Oh my god. And goodness. that's when I went to the doctor, and in wow. in early January I found out uh, so <laughs> There's a lot of uh, stuff. You have a lot of personal.
2: Well, can we talk
1: about? Yeah. Well, can we talk about it, that? What that? Can we talk about that incident? Because Patty had a similar um, yeah. experience.
4: Well, I I was um, I had had a knee replacement, and I had had um, that year. I had had uh, several uh, medical issues. I almost lost an eye. It, oh was, it was had have emergency surgery, it, it, so it was a bad health year. And so in December, my husband Pedro and I said, "Well, let's have a nice trip and you know, get that year behind us, get this year behind." So we went to Rome, and we toasted over New Year's, over over Christmas. Next year is gonna be the year of health. Yes. Okay, come come January, I get a mammogram and oh right, there's a lot there's a lump. Oh,
2: wow.
4: <laughs> right. So seven years later, I'm here. And oh so mine
2: was seven years ago too. Oh yeah, look at us. Yeah.
4: yeah. Yes, we're we're Breast cancer sisters.
2: <laughs> there we love go. It. I love it. I, love it. I, knew, I knew the sister theme would come up again. There Bosom buddies. Your bosom buddies. Literally. Bosom buddies.
4: Very <laughs> <laughs> so gay. Oh my God. Well, you know yeah. how I am
1: with alliteration. <laughs> yeah.
2: Love it. Love it.
1: Okay, Maria, we could talk on and on and on. There is so there are so many bones to pick in this novel. We could pick it clean. <laughs> but um, one of our favorite parts of the show is where we get to ask our writing guests for a writing, for our guests for a writing tip. And honestly, I think you could just write up, you could just do an info dump and tell us everything. I but think just yeah, One, I your most, your juiciest, most valuable writing tip just for us. No one else.
4: Well, uh, the ones I gave you, which is basically embrace writer's block, because it's your body telling you, your mind telling you, you're not ready. Go out and live your life and come back when you're ready. Mm -hmm. And don't worry. You know, so I think that is the writing tip of the week. I love that one.
2: Yeah, that's great. You know, Julia Cameron talks a lot about that, um, You know, filling back up the well and going Mm -hmm. on writer's dates, which means Mm -hmm. going out by yourself to do one of your favorite things and Mm -hmm. filling back up that well. So I really love
4: that. That's awesome. Well, one of my favorite things is eavesdrop at restaurants. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. You get some good ideas as a writer. Yeah. What? What?
3: <laughs> okay. My favorite is like a super awkward, like blind date or first date or like, you know, people who met online but like clearly misrepresented themselves. It's so oh, bad. yes. Yes. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs>
1: yeah. Tom and I were uh, on vacation in um, Cape Cod this summer and we were sitting at the bar at a restaurant and eavesdropped on what was clearly a first um, tinder or match.com date and i was dying
2: <laughs> dying she was texting because... us. that's how she was, us. was that
1: was that what did i text you all that yes,
2: yes you did you told us
1: yeah like the, the guy was telling his his date about uh his parents were still married <laughs> it was it was just delightful <laughs> okay so maria hang on because we if you will we're going to ask you oh do you have a book recommendation you want to share with us tonight
4: something you're reading and loving well yes uh i am actually almost done reading lucky by marisa she is a december peak uh for the Reese's book club and it is hilarious hilarious i've been saying a lot about it and you know it's it's uh, it's perfect for for this holiday. You know you want to uh, if you want to just you know cuddle and read a book where you are gonna laugh out loud. Uh, just read read Lucky. It's a great book. Okay. See, yeah, I've been great. hearing a lot of
1: good things about it.
4: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. So we're gonna be right back with with Maria. But in the meantime, we have some of those. We have some business to conduct. <laughs>
2: As usual, it's me here reminding you about our (laughs) podcast, our Writer's Block podcast. We will always post the links under the announcements each time a new one goes out, which is, as I said, every single Friday. A new episode launched this past week where Ron talked with Kim Ritchie and Gretchen Peters, part two which for those of you who don't know, French is part two. Uh, songwriting, as, that's like literally the only French word I know, which is the part two of songwriting as storytelling. And I am obsessed with these two podcasts because Kim Ritchie and Gretchen Peters are these award-winning songwriters and hearing them talk about songwriting is such a mirror to how we talk about writing our stories, except different. It's fabulous. And then this Friday, Ron celebrates the holidays with us.
0: Yay! Yeah. And, you know, uh, I am always reminding you about the book club, the Friends in Fiction um, official book club, which of course is run by our friends, Lisa Harrison and Brenda Gardner. They're always doing such great stuff over there too. I know Mary Kay was over, um, I think the first week of the month to talk Mm -hmm. about the Santa suit. Christy was there just a couple days ago to talk about Christmas in Peachtree Bluff. Mm -hmm. They've got a great lineup coming for the first few months of the new year. Um, It's just exciting stuff. And they are 10,000 strong now, which is absolutely amazing it's a great group a warm lovely group and we hope that you'll join if you haven't already it's it's a great way to read along
1: and make sure that you don't forget to join us for our next episode of friends and fiction next wednesday right here at seven we're going to welcome sarah McLean, who writes these very steamy romance novels which i love then on january 5th we'll host sally hepworth and kelly rimmer and if you were ever wondering about our schedule and who we're going to have on, it's always on the Friends in Fiction website.
3: And I'm here again to remind you about our Friends in Fiction merchandise. In addition to our spring box that I told you about at the top of the show, you can still get our holiday bundle from our friends at Oxford Exchange. It includes um, My Christmas and Peach Peachtree Bluff, Mary Kay's, The Santa Suit, um, Patty's, um, Once Upon a Wardrobe, and you have the option to add Kristen's um, The Forest of Vanishing Stars. And we also have a really special sale going on right now. So if you wanna get any of our Friends in Fiction merch, including our beautiful new reading journals, which um, we are gonna be using for our reading challenge this year, you can use the code Happy Holidays and um, get 20% off your purchase.
1: Okay, Maria, we're back to you. Hi. One question. <laughs> <laughs> we, wi- we always love to ask, what were the values around reading
4: and writing when you were grow up, growing up at home?
1: Uh,
4: okay, so uh, my mom is, is an avid reader. And when I was uh, in second grade, um, she, uh, I, made, I, I lied to her. And that caused, uh, caused the babysitter to get fired. It was my fault. Uh-huh. Oh no. so, Yes. Yeah. I, I, I told my mom she pinched what? me, but it really was the immunization, Bruce. Anyway, uh, my grandma uh, gave me a notebook and said, look, um, uh, lies and stories are the same thing. The only difference is when you're trying to trick people into believing you, then it's a lie and it hurts. But if you want to entertain people, which I think is what you want to do, then, then it's a story and then you need to write it here. And so I spent all of second grade writing my stories and I had to be held back because I didn't learn anything. I literally have been writing <laughs> ever since. And uh, my mom was very supportive. In fact, uh, when, uh, when I was nine years old, uh, Santa Claus brought me a typewriter oh. so you know wow. what what kid gets a typewriter when they're nine <laughs> so, Amazing. so it's always been a very encouraging environment for for me growing up
1: that's
4: awesome. incredible that's awesome.
1: good story. Such a you can good tell, story. you can tell that those oh. lessons stuck Really Maria, thank you so much for spending time with us tonight and introducing us to those gorgeous, memorable Alvarados. Thanks so much
4: and happy thank holidays. You. We love meeting you. Thanks, Maria. To you all, happy thank holidays. You. I send you, each one of you, a big, big hug. and all I'm your back listeners, back. Thank,
3: thank you. you. Thanks
4: Maria. for being here
1: with us. Okay, now everybody. Make sure that you stay with us for our Talking Turkey with Butterball after show. Don't forget, you can find back episodes on YouTube. We're live there every week, just like we are on here on Facebook. And if you subscribe, you won't miss a thing. Plus, you'll have access on um, YouTube to special short clips. And be sure to come back next week, same time, same place, as we welcome Sarah McLean. And we're back. We <laughs> are back. Some
3: of us. <laughs> Three out of apparently, four. That ain't bad. Apparently,
1: Patty went to take a potty break.
3: She's the butterball because she's not here.
1: She can't defend herself. Exactly. Maybe her sister came in and like, did didn't just
2: call me out from my potty break? Like, did I just hear that? Like, did that just happen? Sure it oh, did. I'm going to call you yeah, Patty Potter. Sure it did.
3: <laughs>
0: you used to be
2: party party patty. Now you're potty patty. I, <laughs> potty patty. I can't get away with anything around here. Yeah, nothing. Nothing.
1: Okay, we're gonna yeah. talk turkey. We're not talking patty's potty
2: <laughs> patty's potty <laughs> party. <laughs> mm, I love it. I love it. Oh, what a guest, y'all! She was wonderful. Yeah, she was, oh, fantastic. She was so
3: yeah. God, I feel like I got like a master class.
2: Well, yeah. I, how much of her family she worked into that? Like, sometimes I don't know about y'all, but I get really nervous too. about working oh, yeah. real life things in. Mm-hmm. And she really did. I she mean, I was amazing for
0: it. Yeah, I mm-hmm. thought the same. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. it, it it's a it's a brave thing to do. I think. I think it takes some extra digging deep, and mm-hmm. um, you know, some some willingness to be able to take what comes with that sort of, you yeah, know what I mean? Right. I, I think that's incredible. A risk. Yeah. It's a risk. It's a yeah. risk. yeah. 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 What sure. if her dad? Like, I
2: don't want you talking about my weather channel days, you know? Yeah.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I remember I waited a long time before I wrote a story, a, a story that deeply involved sisters um,
3: because it, it was too close for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Do y'all ever have things that you think like, well, I can't write that till so and so's gone, but that's gonna be yeah, a yeah. good story
2: one day. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I mean, yeah, well, I grew up as a preacher's kid. Yeah. There are there is a cachet mm-hmm. of stories. <laughs> yeah.
1: I couldn't write a sex scene until my dad was dead.
2: Really? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, because yeah. I could hear I could I could see him reading over my shoulder going.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. amazing. That was my hang-up writing sex scenes for my very first book because I thought my mm-hmm. grandparents will read this. My my yep. grandparents will read it and they'll know that I know what that is. You know? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Yep. Yep. <laughs> That's really funny. Yep. Oh, wow. Well, she didn't have any hang-ups about that. It was amazing. No. She was great. I love her, uh, yeah. huh? I love her philosophy on writer's block. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. I like that, too. How about her grandmother handing her a notebook and saying... Such if you wisdom. want to make up a story, write it down. Like, that's so wise. I mean, most grandparents would have, you know, you're grounded for your, I mean, whatever. Yeah, like yeah. But wow. To like really be able to kind of diagnose that, you know, like what the
2: real thing yeah. was. Yeah. I was her actually looked at her and said, I know you're trying to entertain. So here's a yeah. better way to do it. How intuitive of her grandmother too. That's incredible. Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: yeah what a family. No wonder she writes about them.
3: Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. so cool. Um, I was thinking about when she talked about her babysitter about this really great story that will can't hear me. So I'm going to tell my husband will not my son will, but um, I guess it was the Lone Ranger. It seems like he would be too young for that, but I feel like he, it was the Lane Ranger and the Lone Ranger. And one night he had a babysitter and he was dressed up like head to toe Lone <laughs> Ranger, like outfit with the boots and the handcuffs and whatever. And, um, his mom and dad came home from wherever they were, and they had those, you know, those like double doors that will like separate like the front of the house from the back of the house or whatever, like inside. But he had handcuffed, like put his handcuffs around the double doorknobs, and like he was on one side of the house <laughs> and locked her oh, in the no. other side. I bet she did not come back. If <laughs> yeah. But also, he was like four. So I'm like, it's pretty inventive. <laughs> Oh my gosh. That's so yep. His mom used to be like, you are in trouble if you have a son because <laughs> oh karma God. is really going to come back.
0: <laughs> well, ladies, I need to go get something to eat, but it that's just so quickly, is everyone excited for Christmas in just a few days? So excited. Yes. I hope I can,
1: yeah. I, I hope I can finish. I just have a tiny bit more to do. And, and I don't know if the elf, I, if the elf would just come wrap it for me.
2: Thing. Wouldn't that be nice? Mm-hmm. How do we make yeah. that happen? Exactly. So, mm-hmm. I've discovered that if you binge watch something, rapping goes much faster. It's a good point. I'm I've finding had he's been that Maria was giving us writing tips, but I'm mm-hmm. just that is my truth mm-hmm. bomb I'm going to drop on y'all tonight. True. R- Patty Patty's wrapping tips. I'm gonna you for one night. I gotta go. I have, I have to do. I, I love you. Love you. you. I, I love all of you. Wait, nice we have holidays. to talk about
3: Oh, wait. Um, yeah. So before you leave, just a reminder: the Butterball is celebrating the 40th anniversary of its turkey talk line, which started as just a phone line, but now they have a website and a Facebook page. They're on Instagram and TikTok. So if you have any last minute questions as you're preparing that holiday meal. Give them a call or an email or check them out on TikTok. So um, yeah, thanks so much, everybody. Merry Christmas. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas.
0: Thank you for tuning in. You can join us every week on Facebook or YouTube, where our live show airs on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Also, subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram. We're so glad you're here.